2: At LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void rope prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex. So, retweet. You think you're untouchable. Word Life. This is Basic Thuganomics. This is Basic Thuganomics. <laughs> Word Life. <laughs>
0: Welcome to this week's feature show on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. My name's Chris Murray and today we are here to talk about wrestling's best United States champions. The US title is a very prestigious belt, arguably more prestigious than its counterpart, the Intercontinental title or the NWA's National Championship. So for tonight's show... I won't insult any of my panelists because I have picked out some of the most prestigious members of the ESSR group to discuss this with me. Well, I mean, prestigious may be the wrong word. They're definitely the best mid-carders that I could find. I am joined by David, Scott and Callum. Welcome, all gentlemen. Uh, David, I'm going to start with you. Yo. Is there any room in the universe of ESSR? For a mid-card title, we already have the ESSR Championship. Is this kind of what? Spare change in the tennis?
1: I don't know. I can't keep up with this. Well, spare change in the tennis is kind of like our money in the bank contract, as it were. And I think given the size of the podcast, I think it's only enough to sort of equate that to the WWECW roster <laughs> uh, in the mid-2000s, which was about 15 people at most. Uh, so I'm not sure if there is room for a mid-card title in this podcast, but we did used to have the ESSR 365 title, and we also have a couple of members going around claiming to be the ESSR Women's Champion, such as Sarah Grieve, Stacey Smith, and for some reason, David the Goat Campbell. It's like, how can we have a women's belt? We only have two women. That's one match. (laughs) Anyway, thanks
0: for joining us, David. Callum, welcome to the crew, man. Uh, Is this, this the first time I met
3: you? Is this your first show on the brand? Hey, that is yes. It is my humble debut, as you will, for ESSR. The There's many,
0: many men who have won the US title in their debut match, and am I the man to tell you who's done that? No, because it's not a part of the show that I prepared. So I thought <laughs> I'd just start with a quick fire question. And we're just starting. We were just talking before we started um, about some of the sort of history of the US title. It's obviously been like retired. And reactivated a few times. And it got me thinking about like other WWE titles. Is there any WWE titles that they have retired that you would like them to bring back? And which one would you choose? It could be, uh, you know, a particular division you really liked. It could be a particular uh, championship you really liked. What one would you
3: choose? Well, that's a a very open ended question. (laughs) Uh, However, having uh, looked back to all. I'm a belt mark, I love belts, they're great so I was jotting down some ideas and I thought well, since belt mark, obviously uh, the winged eagle was the best, it shows that you're a champion, you are the guy and not a big blue thing so, (laughs) you know winged eagle all the way, or if it couldn't be that uh, the big gold, Uh, I'm a wrestling fan, so uh, big NWA guy me, so Bring back the big gold all day, every day.
0: Me and Scott are absolutely licking our lips at this. We're always the ones (laughs) that are banging on about some old WCW nonsense while everyone else is trying to talk about like last week's Smackdown or something like that. But yes, Scott McLeod is here as well. Welcome, Scott. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us. I have a question for you as well, sir. So, the US title, I noticed just before we came on as well, it's had really quite a lot of different variations, even just in the WWE era of the belt, there's been lots of different designs. What is your favorite one? And please don't say the current
2: one. (laughs) No, it's not the current one. For me, I think it's probably going to be the one that the current one replaced. The one that we most honestly recognize with the WWE US Championship, probably because it was the first version of the US title I saw. But also, I think uh, the design of it does what it needs to. It's just a massive... Like an American flag just stretched over the title belt. It's big, you know. It basically sums up America. It's Just America, big <laughs> flag in your face. You know, it does what it needs to.
0: Perfect choice. I uh, completely agree. I remember I was—I mean, I was very young when this happened. When somebody told me that the they had a new US belt on WWE, and I was like, "Is it the same as the old one? It's got an American flag on it." And they were like, "Yeah," but the one that I was picturing is you know, the WCW one that you see before you, it's got like a tiny, tiny little American flag with four <laughs> stars. Whereas the, the 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 one that has was previously retired to be replaced with the current one was like the United States t- title on ecstasy. The flag was just the belt. Um, and also, I, I would be remiss if we didn't mention it, the, the John Cena version of the belt. Uh, any of us fans? Any, no, I'm getting groans. No, it, it looks Absolutely cool. Absolutely not. not.
1: <laughs> it looked it looked cool if you were about maybe a, a young kid, you know, because it was spinny and every, everybody was about, you know, uh, DJing and rap and turntables, etc. And it suited his character, but on anybody else, it just did not work. And I'm glad JBL blew it up in that bin uh, when Orlando Jordan won it. I was just thinking there, I was like, so what was that? 2003,
0: Five. Two, 2005. So yeah. yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't young. Like, uh, I was, like not young yeah. enough to
1: but yeah seem to appreciate it nonetheless Although, Chris I do notice you have way that picture you showed of the WCW US title and I said this just before we went on air that it actually looks like the current US title and the white strap intercontinental title had a baby and that was the result like yeah. it's uh I mean it's quite cool to look at but again it was much more retro back then and you know there was only so sort of very limited designs for championships back then but it looks cool nonetheless yeah, one
0: of the things that I'm happy that WWE has quite successfully got away from is I don't like belts that are really square. Like, there's a lot of really square looking belts. And uh, the old WCW United States Championship, I think, was quite square. Try to think of other examples. Like the AEW World Championship, I think it's a quite square looking belt. And uh, I, don't, I don't love that design massively. But that reminds mm-hmm. me, we do have to start the show with another little disclaimer. Guys, I'm sitting with a tab in front of me just now, which is AEW All Out 2021 buy-in. I'm trying to watch it. I've not finished it yet. I've stopped to talk to you guys. So can we have an AEW All Out spoiler-free podcast this evening? Consider it done. I
2: mean, I'm only on on the third match of the main card, so I couldn't really spoil that much for you.
3: I've watched it all. I'm very sleep-deprived, but no spoilers coming from my end. Ah, appreciated.
0: Okay, so let's dive into it. In the first 25 years of the US Championship, a whole host of world champions and Hall of Famers all managed to hold to it. I'm talking about the likes of Ric Flair, Lex Luger, Ricky Steamboat, stunning Steve Austin, Bret Hart, DDP. The Championship actually began all the way back on January 1st, 1975. Good God. Under the NWA banner, Jim Crockett promotions at the time, Harley Race was the first and he was the inaugural champion and defeated Johnny Weaver in a tournament final to become the inaugural NWA United States Heavyweight Champion and Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling. Never heard of Johnny Weaver since, but I've heard of Harley Race a few times. Um, From 1975, it traveled through JCP to WCW, then WWE, where it's still active to this day. And that's where we come in. We are going to discuss the best United States champions of the WWE era. Now, we're not being ignorant of the legends that came before it. I just kind of thought, I was like, I don't think we would do either side of the fence justice. Like, we should do a show on that, you know, NWA, WCW era of this belt. And we should do what we're doing now. And that's a period on the WWE era. So the list of options that you guys have to pick as your best US champion begins from the champion from March 18, 2001, Booker T. He won the belt at WCW Greed and took it with him to the WWF during the invasion. So he was the first champion of the United States. In the WWE era, he was the 91st champion in the history of the belt. So we're ignoring the first 90. <laughs> Give us hate <laughs> online for doing so. Um, you can then choose any champion all the way to Damian Priest, who took the belt from Sheamus at this year's SummerSlam on August 21st, 2021, which gives us almost 20 years to the day since it debuted on WWF television. So we got a fair whack of champions to pick from. Everyone, is going to pick two we're going to get some thoughts from the listeners and ESSR's fellow members as well and we'll all go and I'll throw out two as well just because you know eight's a nice round number so um, I'm going to attempt to do this chronologically but one of Scott's choices breaks it by having one rain right at the start of the list and one rain right near the end of the list so I've made a terrible order and we're going to start with David. David you have a certain uh, Latin American wrestler <laughs>
1: as one of your your picks uh, who won the belt back in 2003 tell us hey this isn't just any latin american wrestler this is arguably one of mexico's greatest exports not alberto del rio someone way way better than that it is the late great eddie guerrero uh, who won the championship after it was reactivated in 2003? When after Edge defeated Test in the unification match uh, that year's the Invasion Angle Survivor Series, so it was inactive for best part of two years. And the SmackDown, you know, this was you know peak SmackDown following the period of the SmackDown Six, and they were starting to develop you know a much more stacked singles division and. Eddie Guerrero ended up winning the championship by defeating seven other guys in a tournament. So his bracket, he defeated Ultimo Dragon, Billy Gunn, sorry, Ross, and in the final defeating Chris Benoit in an outstanding 20-minute match at 2003's Vengeance pay-per-view. So now it was a little bit of a a mixed reception at the time because Eddie was still playing a sort of heel character off the back of Los Guerreros. Uh, But what really I found was really interesting about his reign here was that this was his natural progression from a heel character to a baby face because the fans just loved what he did in the ring, you know, whether it was his lie, cheat, and steal, or whether it was his overly charismatic personality, or it was just everything off the back of the SmackDown 6, which is, I think, what really captivated the audience to watch SmackDown, uh, etc. And he had a couple of outstanding matches through this series as well. He faced John Cena in the parking lot brawl. Uh, he ended up winning the tag titles with Chavo whilst he was holding the US title. So he was a double champion for a fair bit. But his, uh, I think the feud that stood out for me the most was the uh, his feud with the Big Show which, you know, unfortunately didn't end well for him because Big Show was the one to dethrone him. But there were some pretty hilarious skits, even though they were a little bit childish, like dumping the, as Michael Cole referred to it, as human sewage uh, all over him, which is uh, still one of the most memorable SmackDown segments that I can can recall. But um, what really I liked about this is that this was a natural progression of when Eddie became not just a, a sort of tag team wrestler, but someone that, you know, the fans started to become more and more accustomed to. They wanted to see him succeed over and over. And this is what spurred his natural babyface turn. And he became just such a a beloved character for um, right up until the point of his death, actually, which was only a couple of years later. But yeah, that's why I think Eddie goes down as one of the best US champions in WWE.
0: Great show. Uh, David, I'm so happy you picked this. Um, Reason number one, I think I've been on like 20... Save 20 ESSR podcasts at this point. On 19 of them, I've probably gone on about how much I love Eddie Guerrero. The second reason why this is amazing, right? I have watched SmackDown live twice in my life, right? Mm-hmm. The second time was the SmackDown that aired immediately before CM Punk returned at AEW Rampage because turns out like you can just watch that for two hours and that kills the time waiting for AEW to start at 3am in the morning thanks (laughs) a lot America Um, but the first time was when I went on holiday to America went to Florida with my parents in 2003 and at the time, I watched SmackDown, and Eddie Guerrero was the US champion at the time. He was doing his whole Big Show shenanigans. And I vividly remember watching SmackDown at like 7 p.m. at night, like a normal person. And uh, it was the skip where he like tripped up Big Show with
1: the like some sort of wire, and then that's yeah. the, the sewage thing. Yeah, he tripped him up with the, the hose from the tanker, and then he squished him with the, the shite, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so uh, i love this choice he was champion twice
0: um and uh, callum this is where i'm going to bring you in because eddie guerrero nicely sort of split the divide by winning the belt in wcw and uh the, the the land that we love uh, and also won it in 2003 by the time it was back in wwe so yeah do do you remember this run that eddie had with the belt and were you a fan of him
3: well, I am uh, a fairly young individual, so <laughs> I was during his run uh, two years old. So, <laughs> uh, going back though and seeing his run with the big show, uh, I think you forgot to mention as well the burrito angle as well. Yeah, uh, yes, I remember that quite vividly. Uh, poor, poor big show, <laughs> uh, Paul White in the uh, head. He's poor arsehole as well. That burrito was spicy. Uh, going back though, I feel like Guerrero was very well deserved to win the United States Championship because, I mean, I, I don't have to hype up Eddie Guerrero. It's Eddie Guerrero. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um Scott, I
0: will always remember that I was on a show with you and you were the first person that told me that Eddie Guerrero didn't like being world champion when he beat Brock. He felt like he wasn't, you know, big enough to be champion, but he was definitely big enough to be United States champion. I thought he carried this title very well. Um What did you think of his run? And, why do you think he didn't get more runs? Because he still, you know, he still with the company for another couple of years after this.
2: Yeah, it was weird with Eddie because it's not that he didn't like being uh, WWE, but just that he was doing as good as he could have as the uh, the leader of the brand you know, carrying SmackDown. So and also that weighed heavily on him. But yeah, it's weird how this match his run isn't really known for its matches. The US title, you know, he had a four way. Uh, SummerSlam, which I think included Rhino, TGD and I think Benoit which is a match that so should be talked about more than it, it was but I think the main thing about it is that it was his progression from face to heel to face as David said so I think that's the most important thing about it. Uh, I don't know because he seems like a guy who he's held all the main mid card belts you could hold because you know he was European champion in the 2000s he was briefly Intercontinental champion in early 2002 And he was, he had this raise, so he is a reliable, you know, mid-card player. So I don't know why he didn't have more mid-card range. No, I think for a while he did kind of get stuck in a bit of a tag team thing with like the Vray and Javo, which he was also good at. So I think that we just kept moving him around from mid-card to main event to tag team because he was just good in wherever you placed him.
0: Yeah, I mean, that sums him up perfectly, doesn't it? I mean, I, I just had a look. He... Has done at all. In WWE, wasn't really allowed to be a cruiserweight, but he won the cruiserweight belt twice in WCW, won the US title there, while it was called the US Heavyweight Championship, which I like because that means he's swaying the divisions at that point. And then by the time he got to WWE, he ended up winning just about every belt they had to offer, becoming the 11th Triple Crown Champion and 6th Grand Slam Champion as well. So, I mean... How much more airtime can we find to dedicate to how great Eddie Guerrero is on this podcast? Um, Well, Eddie Guerrero
1: was our first ever show, so go back and listen to it on our back catalogue. David, I was also looking at the anchor numbers recently. It's also
0: our most popular show ever as well. So um, that's nothing to do with the fact that it was the first one and the hype was big around then. It's because he's just a great man. Okay, what a great place to start, Um, Eddie Guerrero. uh, I just loved seeing him with that belt. and uh, Yeah. Just the shenanigans that came with Eddie Guerrero as well. We'll now move on to Callum. Now, you're the second of the picks that you went for, a man who has three letters of his initials. um, Went on quite a decent run with the belt in 2007. Who have you chosen? I have chosen
3: uh, a man who came out uh, with a smoke machine and a very big tent. Uh, MVP, I would try to say his proper name, but I'd butcher the spell, so I'm not gonna. I loved MVP's run as a, a youngster growing up watching MVP. His feud with Matt Hardy over the United States Championship was Chef's Kisses. It was perfect. Although the, the hot dog contest, going back and looking at that, maybe maybe not that, but the rest of his matches were great. I mean, the classics they had with Shelton Benjamin, just I just think it was great. Like, and I feel like. That design of the United States belt suited MVP because it fed into the whole character of, oh, I am the best. Look at my fancy jewelry and my big tunnel and my belt. So yeah, this is a really
0: good choice because like I never really thought about this until very recently, but MVP is such a solid wrestler. He had this um how many days was it again? 340-day reign with the belt. Mm-hmm. I think that's good for like Third or fourth longest ever in the history of the yeah. belt, including all of the WCW guys, which I think yeah.
3: is highly highly respected. I believe but it's second, the second longest, yeah. second longest. Sorry, getting confused yeah. with uh with Lex uh, Dina. I think Lex Luger's is overall because I know it's the lineage
1: is the same. So yep. I think it's I think it's Luger's. MVPs, and then Ambrose, I think. That's it. I'm getting confused with Ambrose. Um, I was, oh, no, no. Ambrose was longer. He was 351 days. Oh, right.
2: Yeah, it's MVP, Ambrose, then Luger. Luger held it for, like, 500 days at one point.
1: Uh, but was uh, that over five reigns, or was that one? Just the one. No, th- no it's Okay. Long. Oh, yeah, Matt, so it was, yeah. 1989. Matt,
0: good, good on them all, but yes, um, particularly good on MVP, because, like, I think It wouldn't be remiss of me to say that like MVP's character when it first came in, he was a bit of a joke. Like that was sort of his shtick. And then he managed to, you know, with all of the shenanigans that went on with Matt Hardy, hold this belt for basically a year. And I was looking up some of MVP's other achievements as well. He was the first ever, um, Scott, I'm going to get it wrong, but I'm going to try not to. Was he not the first ever IWGP
2: Intercontinental Champion as well? He was, yeah, in 2011.
0: So he's like... A solid choice as your mid-card guy. And, um, yeah, if you take away all the pomp with the the entrance and stuff that Callum mentioned, he has a really good wrestler. Uh, Scott, hopefully you liked him.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember MVP's introduction. I remember uh, his, like, Inferno match with Kane. <laughs> I only remember yes. that one. But, like, he had a, a decent feud with with Benoit. It was, one of ben, it was Benoit's last actual, like, program before his passing. You know, they had the match at Mania that Benoit won. They want re- to rematch it. Backlash and then MP finally won the belt in a two out of three falls match. I think he won two straight falls as well over Benoit, which is kind of mm-hmm. strong. And it was weird to have the heel constantly losing and then getting the big win over the face. Usually, it's the other way around with the face chasing it. But you know Benoit was used to help get him over. And you look at his reign, you know, He got he had a match on pay-per-view against Ric Flair, who's with, had a history with the with the WCW version of the US title. Uh, the thing with Matt Hardy, I think he did have an injury. Uh, that got Dalton from wrestling, so he and Matt were doing all these contests, or they won the tie titles together where Matt would do all the work, but he would take all the credit for it, which I think then added to their story, because then Matt got injured and they had MEB and k take him out, and then Matt's the one who comes back and gets revenge by ending this mammoth reign of his, so and the end, we actually look at it, even though there's a period where he doesn't wrestle, when you look at the story with him and Matt Hardy, they actually told a decent story throughout his reign, and the only downside is you, you kind of forget his second reign actually happened.
0: Yeah, because of course he would go on and beat Shelton Benjamin for the belt as well. And this mm-hmm. is around the time where the belt was bouncing about all different brands and it was very confusing. Did he
1: win it on ECW and take it to Raw or something like that? He won it on SmackDown against Shelton Benjamin then he was like drafted first in the 2009 draft and then he go lost it to Rock. Kofi. Yeah,
2: because was- like, cause Shelton won it from Matt Hood. Was going between ECW and Raw because Matt got drafted. No, I was mad it was Matt
1: that took it to ECW
2: and then Sheldon brought it back to SmackDown, lost to the MVP, but then took it to Raw. Brilliant! Brilliant! At all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Love it. Um, of course, D- David as well. Like they, I think Scott mentioned it a bit there, but our, our Callum did even
1: um, during that run. MVP and Matt Hardy were also tag champions. That's right, yeah. Yeah, I think he was the first since Eddie, actually, to be double US tag team champion, which is a very, because they were a very odd pairing to MVP Matt Hardy, because they were sort of frenemies at the time. He didn't know if they were actually feuding over the the US title or, you know, working as tag team champions. But oddly enough, they were the ones to defeat Deuce and Domino, who ended Paul London and Brian Kendrick's mammoth reign, which I've th- always thought was a bit odd because you thought Deuce and Domino had the potential to be SmackDown's top top tag team, but then they just then Vince was just like, "Nah." But um, I-, I can't remember if they—I don't recall if they held the tag titles during the Taboo Tuesday feud they were supposed to have you know, where I think they were going against each other in various challenges, and that's what made the storyline interesting. They weren't having traditional matches. They were trying to one-up each other in, like, uh, beer-drinking, basketball contests, pizza-eating contests, which sounds amazing just by saying that out loud. Um, but, yeah, I think they were supposed to have a match at the 2006 Cyber... Su- or 2007 Cyber Sunday. Uh, but Matt got injured. He, like, had a big gash in his head, and he couldn't compete. And then he ended up having, a, having to take a cheap count out victory over or count out loss over Kane but um you know after that you know his reign sort of got a bit quiet right up until you know Matt Hardy returned and then cost him the well cost him the title or cost him money in the bank rather uh before going back to sort of being enemies again you've kind of touched on something that's going to come up a lot
0: in this and that there is a lot of guys that have held this belt for a long time but They've also held the belt for a long time whilst not doing a lot in that time. I think Dean Ambrose is the obvious example of that. Yep. Prime held, suspect held, held the belt for a year, but I think he defended it about once. I can't remember the exact number, but it's, it's not very many. And then he lost it in a battle Royal to somebody we're going to talk about later. Anyway, <laughs> great choice of MVP. Um, right. Where are we going chronologically next? We're flying through some of our champions. Um, we're going to go to Scott next. And Scott, would you be so kind as to tell me about your winner of the US title who won it once and not twice, two decades, sorry, a decade apart?
2: Yeah, it won a decade apart. I think he had like multiple. Things. I think in the WWE version, he's got like the most reigns with us. Yeah. Uh, but he's the person I immediately thought of when he thought about WWE US champions. And my pick is John Cena, who. I think really was one of the first examples of the US title being used to elevate somebody because you know the US title, the main issue with it compared to the IC belt, even though they've both been poorly handled by the company throughout the years is unlike the Aircon L used to have a purpose and it was a workhorse belt would elevate people, would get them ready for the, the world title. US TL was never, rarely ever used for that. It didn't have the same purpose. But for a while it did. And you know, and like the Cena, I got the his first WrestleMania match against the Big Show, wins it in 2004 back when the New York crowd really liked Cena. And then he would kind of be the main mid-card big baby face on, so I didn't get it under. I think he was the main face under likes sort of Taker and Eddie. You know, He was offending uh, and weird people against like the Rene Dupree because boo France apparently. <laughs> and like that, He would get stripped of it because he accidentally hit Kurt Angle who was the GM and Kurt Angle didn't like John Cena. So Booker T wins it and then he has a best of five with Booker, which is a very entertaining series, wins it back, loses it to Carly Hills, the whole Jesus stabbed him. Oh, uh, <laughs> stabbed him and go, wins it back, then the whole, I'll say the spinner thing, we don't, I'm not going to defend the spinner <laughs> thing, but you know, it, it's it him at the time, uh, we didn't think he'd do the same for the bloody WWE title. But anyway, he lost it in a feud while he was number one contender for the WWE title and then went on to win that. So it got him to where he needed to be. And then he once he was a main eventer for over a decade. He came back to the U.S. to help elevate a belt that had lost a lot of prestige, and people were annoyed about him being Rusev. But he then brought out the U.S. Open Challenge. Had great matches with everybody from Zack Ryder to Luke Harper, Stardust, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens. You know, losing to Kevin Owens at Elimination Chamber, having the match with Seth Rollins for both belts, and then you know the only downside is that his last ring ended with a bit of a whimper, where he went back from Seth, United Champions and then lost it to Alberto Del Rio, and then just started this thing where he buggers off every so often to go film movies, but I think it's an example of how the belt can is to elevate somebody, and then the person years later elevates the belt, and then even though he beats these people in an open challenge, he elevates them by giving them a 15, 20-minute match on TV and makes them look better than they would have been otherwise.
0: I think um, you, you touched on something uh, really important there, and that's that We went through this period in wrestling where it was almost like, oh, well, the the world title is too prestigious to be defended on TV, but the mid-card champion, well, they all defend every week. I remember AJ Styles specifically in TNA being like, oh, I'm the TV champion. I'll defend this belt every week. Come at me. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, this is the one time we're actually not going to bang on about how great AJ Styles is. Um, But yeah, so it's... David, there's almost like two eras of John Cena, US champion. There's all the first ones with the, Car- the Carlito matches and all that stuff um, taking the belt off Big Show as well, which I really like to well. It's like his first um, WrestleMania match, wasn't it? And then uh, the run yep. that you went on it leading to beating JBL down the line as well. Uh, let's start to talk about them separately. What did you think of the, the first era? And then, of course, what did you think about the one that came 10 years later?
1: See, it's funny you should say that because this was around the time that I actually started watching SmackDown on a weekly basis. Um, And it was approximately the same time where John Cena actually uh, was, was, was stripped of the title from Kurt Angle because he attacked him unintentionally. And then him and Booker T had that best of five series, which I thought was quite... It was actually quite captivating as well because at least it put me it allowed me to see Cena in a sort of challenger role. And I remember he was getting a lot of popularity at the time. Like he was arguably the most popular guy on the roster outside of like, you know, the usual Eddie Guerrero, Kurt Angle, and stuff. And it made me, you know, become a fan of John Cena during this time. You know, that's when he, he legitimately had the, you know, never say die, never give up attitude, especially when he was 2-1 down and he ended up winning the series two 3-2 three, uh, three two at No Mercy, only to find out he loses it four days later to Carlito because, well, in hindsight, it was so he could go off and film the Marines. So, I mean, needs must. And then it introduced a new star as a result. And Chris, it also brings up, you know, one of these first names you said who won the U.S. title on their debut, match carlito was one of them yes of course he was i knew there was yep. one that i remembered uh, but then i think cena's third ring you know where the one that orlando jordan ended that was a sort of his graduation up to the wwe title scene uh so he, again he was he became smackdown's fastest rising star who then slowly progressed his way to the the main event scene but in the sort of more recent time with the open challenges etc he was sort of revisiting his old role uh, so that you know he could now use his main event veteran status to put over you know new rising stars. So it's sort of revisiting his past, and he's sort of taking the mantle of the established veteran, like he did with uh, with Booker T back in two thousand four when the roles were reversed. And Scott listed off the talents there. You know he had Cesaro, Kevin Owens, Pack Stardust, Cody Rhodes, that kind of thing. They, all these guys were very capable uh, potential U.S. champions. Some of them did go on to win it eventually, and. That is what I think was the most exciting aspect about this um, this title because it it exemplified what it stood for, the United States being of course the land of opportunity, just step up and take your shot, and that's exactly what John Cena did with it, and it made it such an entertaining walk because we got a lot of great matches out of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Callum, being the new person of the group, you get a a, a big a big moment now to decide which part of history you want to be on. Do you want to be on the side of the guys who love John Cena, me, or do you get to be on the side of history of the guys who hate John Cena, every other person who's involved with this podcast? I don't hate Cena. <laughs> nah, no. nobody, nobody hates him, but um, I'm the only one with a John Cena t-shirt. I,
3: I see. Uh, Mark. <laughs> so, I, um, I don't know. I have grown up in various stages of liking John Cena and disliking John Cena, my um, is US run, hundred percent down for it all day, every day. The spinner belt, on the other hand, uh, I will hold uh, my hand up high and say that the only red leather belt I own is the spinner belt, uh, because that is my favorite belt of all time. Because I know, I know. Hey, don't kick me off the podcast. It's literally <laughs> my first one. Because I grew with that belt, the made me fall in love with wrestling. So I've got a soft spot for it. I do I do recognize we'll think it's ranked. Trust me, I look at it sometimes at the corner and it's like, oh. So, but seeing as Reign as US champion all the way, spinner US belt, get it in the bin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what, right. So,
0: now I agree spinner US belt is average, but, right, if I was going to start an argument, I'd definitely say that of all the spinning related belts, I think Edge's world title is by far the worst.
1: Hi, it was, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't that creative. It was essentially the same championship but with the Rated R symbol replacing the WWE logo.
3: Yeah, it was basically, a uh, Kira, did you see that original cool design you had? Like the almost old school IC title belt. Yeah, we're not doing that. Here's a fucking sticker. <laughs> but uh, on you go, son.
1: <laughs> there you go. You know, he was meant to have a, a Rated R championship that was a similar design to the WCW US championship, but it was meant to be like a WWE World Heavyweight title design. But apparently that got scrapped and replaced with this dud version. The concept no. pictures of that are great. I've seen it. It's properly like, it's all, oh, it's Shears <throat>
0: What I liked about having Cena as US champion as well is that like, a, a, what Cena got stick for was he always won. And if Cena always wins, he was never out of the world title picture for about 10 years. This was a good way to get him to have matches down the card. Like it's it's sort of the same as when I think Roman Reigns won this belt at some point, or was it the IC title or something like that? He um, both. I mean, yeah, well, yeah, it was just a good way to get him to get lost for a wee bit, and and I think fans appreciated that, like not having him at, at the top of the picture. It's the exact same thirty years ago when Ric uh, Flair started winning the US title to take him out of the world title scene as well. It's just it's just a way to sort of you know they as a wrestler can add a strength to their bowl, but then it's a, it's a good way to
1: get other guys in the main event scene. Uh, um, see for see for Rusev uh, or sorry Roman Reigns defeating Rusev for the championship. I think. There was a bit of a rivalry going on there. So I suppose it makes sense, you know, that he was pursuing the US title at that point. But in hindsight, I'm wondering, maybe backstage thought was maybe try and get the US title and the Intercontinental title on Roman Reigns so that they can uh, say he's a Grand Slam champion. But maybe there's just the cynic in me coming out for that one. Totally. Because we only held them once each.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we we won't talk much about Roman as mid champion, but we may revisit a certain uh, Bulgarian later on in the <laughs> show. Um, okay, so that's the first three. Um, I would like to throw out one as well. Right, I was looking down the list and I was trying to think of ones that I thought particularly stood out. And I think you'll agree there hasn't been many, at least in the WWE era, that have massively, massively stood out. In recent years, I think it, it's a belt that's definitely been coasting slightly at least since john cena's brilliant reign in 2015 but one reign which i particularly liked um even though it wasn't particularly long was chris jericho in 2017 so i'd like to throw him out he won the belt from roman um who of course took it from rusev and turn and i remember just loving how funny this was because obviously this was around the time where uh, Roman Reigns was just being pushed to the moon. Everyone was a bit sick of him. And then he loses his US title to Chris Jericho in a two-on-one handicap match with Kevin Owens as uh, Roman Reigns is feuding with Kevin Owens. It was just wonderful booking. You got to see Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho parading about with two belts for a little period. And then, of course, these. this was the belt that was on the line. You guys correct me if any of this is wrong. This is the belt that was on the, the line after the breakup. Of jericho and owens with owens winning it from jericho at the following years mania 33 i do believe before mm-hmm. jericho wins it back and then gave it back to kevin owens a little bit later and um, it was just good again like jericho is one of the best mid card champions he's obviously a brilliant world champion but he's one of the best mid card champions he did it all the way through his time in wcw and he did it repeatedly with the ic belt and the us belt over in WWE so yes it wasn't that long it was January to April and um, it was you know it's around the time when it's mania season so it's difficult to get eyes on you and I think I, uh, I actually watched Chris Jericho on the um, Steve Austin podcast what's the full name for it I can't remember but
1: uh, Stone Cold Sessions I,
0: yeah so I finally watched that about two three weeks ago and there was chat that at the time Jericho and Owens were going to headline Mania, according to Chris Jericho. Of course, he'd say that. Um, and he actually said that part of the reason he left WWE was because he was put on second at WrestleMania 33, felt like WWE were looking at him as a bit of an afterthought and wanted to leave the company to go and, you know, sort of get himself back up the card again, which is what he did in New Japan and then AEW. So you could say that Chris Jericho being US champion is the reason he is the star he is today. Um, no, but I love the man. And I understand I've put you guys in a very difficult position because some of you may have seen it all out and some of you won't, but we're just going <laughs> to st- clear past that regardless of what the outcome of that match was. And I'll just ask you all, what did you think of Chris Jericho as US champion? I'll start with Scott.
2: Yeah, I didn't really mind it. I like I like the fact that he got to have this range US champion because I don't think he got much chance to really challenge for it in WCW, which I think is mad, because I think the furthest he got outside the cruiserweight division was the television title, so it was kind of a shame he didn't get that, and then the fact that he and Owens were holding the top two to singles, it was good for their, their run, There's a really funny dot .com exclusive of them backstage celebrating, and Owens says to him, hey, let's clink our belts here, that's what all the cool kids are doing, and then that being the belt, it's funny that he said that was the reason he kind of left, is his first proper feud out of uh, WB was challenging K Omega for the IWGP US Champion. So for a good year, Jericho was all about being a US Champion.
3: Yeah,
0: and uh, he was he was really really good at it. He worked so well with Kevin Owens, and he worked well with Jericho as well. I didn't realise this as well, but. Um... As well as trading that belt, Kevin Owens and Jericho traded the IC belt in 2015. I'm not sure if that's because they were good at working with each other or if it's because at the time WWE didn't know what to do with those belts.
1: Oh, wait. Uh, No, Chris Jericho never held the Intercontinental title in 2015.
2: They did face off for it. It was at MSG house show because it was... Right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's
1: what what I mean. They they feuded over it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, David, what did you make of uh, Jericho at this time? I liked it. You know, Team Kevin and Chris, you know, was a massive uh, drawing point for Raw. Like, we saw them in... I think some of us in the podcast saw them in Raw Glasgow, and they were the two most entertaining guys on the roster, maybe second only to Enzo and Cass at the time. So it was... um yeah, those two guys were just comedy gold wherever they went, and Jericho winning the title from Reigns. I think it was a a very pleasing moment for the crowd uh, because nobody liked Roman at this point, and having those two with both sort of sing- men's singles championships it established them as the top guys. But it just sort of went downhill, you know, on the build to WrestleMania because I think there could have been potential, you know, maybe do title for title at WrestleMania thirty three, you know, maybe have one of them become a double champion. I think it would have elevated Kevin Owens stock as well if he was the one to walk away with both titles. And then they could do the whole payback smackdown, you know, trading of the titles in the coming in the coming weeks. Uh, But to sort of shoehorn them in the worst possible position for WrestleMania, which is always the second match, uh, like after that unexpectedly brilliant AJ Shane match, it was a really it was just a really big stomp on everything they had accomplished in the months prior because they were so entertaining, so charismatic, and it could have been so much more had it not been, you know, Vince McMahon liking uh, big, the big sweaty Brock Lesnar and Goldberg and wanting them in the Universal title picture instead. And, you know, like you said, it was a catalyst for Jericho leaving, and it was, it's just a shame, really, because it could have been so much more.
0: Yeah, um, I, it makes you wonder what they could have done. Um, I think that, With the way that wrestling is now and how much wrestling fans love indie darlings getting their moment, I think if you'd have had Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho headline Mania, that wrestling fans would have absolutely lapped it up. I also think as well that you can almost headline WrestleMania with anything these days and wrestling fans will still lap it up. They don't care about pay-per-view numbers anymore. It's all about the network. So yeah, (laughs) book, whatever. Anyway, Callum, were you a fan fan of Chris Jericho around this time?
3: His late, late, late to the very end, WWE period? Yes, I speaking of uh, Raw Glasgow, I was there and I loved every minute of Chris Jericho uh, in front of my eyes. Uh, Chris Jericho is one of my favourite wrestlers, period, besides Shawn Michaels. Uh, that's why their feud was my favourite feud ever. So, But yes, that run as US champion, I thought I thought to myself, Jericho's never won the US title, isn't that? But we'd always won it. So, there we <laughs> go. On all the belts, on yourself, Jericho, son. Your bad might be awful, but you're a fantastic wrestler. So <laughs> Yeah, absolutely love the man. Um okay, so that is
0: our first lap around the circuit. We've all thrown out um one wrestler each who we think was a great US champion. But it's not just about us, it's about you, the listeners, and all sorts of other folk as well in the ESSR. Extended family. David, I asked you to be so kind as to go into the ESSR group and find people's thoughts on this so that I didn't have to go into it myself and get AEW spoilers. Thank you for that. Um yep. who did people
1: say? Uh, well, a lot of it seems to be occurring. What we've already discussed. Uh, we have Kieran Hunter, who said Cena had a few good runs with the title. Uh, he then went also to say uh, he quite liked the Benoit Booker T best of seven series, which was uh, which was a lot of fun. You know, we discussed Cena Booker's best of five, but the best of seven again was uh, almost a forgotten series. But it was a good uh, a good mid card feud for SmackDown at the time. Ross McLeod says Cena in the Open Challenge era. He also goes on to say Lashley's run did what it was supposed to do, and that was make him look like a beast uh, and a future world champion. Uh, But one one of his other responses was AJ Styles' run in 2019 was quite cool as he defended it against people from up-and-comers to establish talents. And that's another one that was almost forgotten about. You know, it's not mentioned a lot these days. He was definitely a, a strong anchor for rising stars. John Isherwood says Cena's open challenge. I think we're starting to see a trend here, Uh, (laughs) and Eddie holding the championship too. AJ uh, had that great run as mentioned in Rollins too, when he held that and the world title. Rollins, Seth Rollins. Now we mentioned this on the Seth Rollins uh, profile show. He is the first and still only person to be a double WWE and United States champion. So I think that's uh, that's worth a, a mention in itself. Ryan DelGliese says probably MVP in the late 2000s, as we discussed earlier. Close second for him would be Rusev. Before things went sour. Yep. More, shall we say more on that later? Hi. <laughs> right. And finally, uh, SDL co-host Jack Graham say, also says Cena's open challenge. So I think the I think the listeners and the other members of the team are pretty much in the majority here and they think they're all a fan of Cena's open challenge concept with the title.
0: David, I knew you and I got my John Cena t-shirt. The year was 2013 and mm-hmm. now look at them all. Look at them all trying to get on this ship. Nah, I see. <laughs> I was there before he's on. All... Anyway, yeah, great shows. Some of them um uh yeah, I forgot the the mention of course of Seth Rollins, the double champion, of course. Booker T did it, but the WCW title wasn't quite as prestigious as the uh, WWE Championship at the time, of course. So good on him. Good shout for AJ as well. There's just so many good ones. In fact, there is so many good United States champions that we're going to go around again and we're going to pick another four champions that we liked. Um, So uh, let's go back to David. Your first one was good and uh, your second one, man, it would have been a dream match if this guy had ever had a match with Eddie Guerrero.
1: I'm pretty sure he has done at some point, but uh, was this guy a great U.S. champion? Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. He did it. Yeah. Uh, My second choice for best U.S. champion is Daniel Bryan. Now, he won the championship in 2010 just after being called up to the main roster from NXT. And obviously, he was in the first uh, game show format version of NXT, so he was called up a part of the Nexus But when it's when he was brought back after SummerSlam, he ended up, you know, picking up his NXT feud with The Miz, who was United States champion and Mr. Money in the Bank at the time. So it was already a very high profile feud to break him out as a a single star. Uh, Now, both these guys actually made that title feel really important with their matches, providing that big fight feel at that year's Night of Champions pay-per-view, especially when The Miz was on the cusp of, you know, essentially becoming WWE champion at the time. But it also sort of gave a bit of retribution for Brian as well, you know, having to be put up with all the Miz's shite as a as a pro. <laughs> you know, considering Brian the rookie and Miz's the pro is like, you know, it's the mother of all paradoxes. So, but Brian was very much a a wrestler's wrestler when he arrived. You know, he it, it wasn't, you know, the the yes man we know today. But way before all his gimmick and stuff, he was very much, you know, generic babyface. You know, clean ring gear, generic theme music with Ride of the Valkyries, but what really helped him out, you know, was his his match quality. Like, he was second to none, arguably the, the best wrestler at the time. You know, he's having great matches with the likes of William Regal, uh, John Morrison, The Miz again, the submissions count anywhere triple threat, Hell in a Cell, a, still a very underrated match, if I do say so. There was Ted DiBiase Jr. that he had a match with, but the one standout match of that feud was the opening match at Bragging Rights that year when he faced Dolph Ziggler in what was an absolute sleeper of a match and arguably one that stole the show as well, given that two, had two you know, pure wrestlers just going at it and two mid-card champions who were in the arguably the prime of their mid-card runs at this point. It made it such great TV and really worth watching. But there was also a bit of storyline behind it too because Brian had, um, well... This is when he started interacting with both Bellas on screen. Uh, can you say ménage à trois? <laughs> and then the um, the uh, then he obviously had the... He revealed that he was dating Gail Kim at the time, which was a little bit derailed at one point. But that didn't take away from the fact, you know, he was a, a solid worker in the ring. He had excellent matches. And I think he redefined what it meant to be a, an up-and-coming talent winning the mid-card championship and carrying the company forward.
0: Yeah, uh, I love that because I think... There's there's this thing that sometimes happens with WWE and it's basically that sometimes they will bring in indie talents that are you know huge names outside of WWE, guys like Seth Rollins, guys like Kevin Owens and all that. But when they get them there, they're, they're sometimes a bit apprehensive because they don't know if they're going to be a WWE guy yet. And that was the issue with Daniel Bryan at the, the very start is that he didn't really look like a world champion. He was a phenomenal wrestler, but they, he didn't really look like he'd win the world title. I, I hate to sound like the authority by saying that, but um, I think that when Debray won that belt, they were sort of testing the water of what he was ready for. And I think that the fact that he held the belt for such a, well, he held the belt for a really long time in terms of this championship, that was them seeing like how he could do with, with a belt. And also wasn't, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't his run with the US title when the Yes Chant started. No, I've got a less been, vague memory
2: of it. No, I think that would have been when he won the world title. Was
0: it the world title? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I knew it was sometime around then. But yeah, either way, absolutely love this choice. Um, Scott, tell me more about Daniel Bryan.
2: <laughs> I was going how far do you want me to go? on you me pick <laughs> Brian are seen an American professional.
0: <laughs> I've got to say, I've, I've looked up and I don't think Daniel Bryan had a match with Eddie Guerrero. I know that when Eddie Guerrero got briefly fired in 2001, he wrestled... And Ring of Honor, but he somehow didn't meet Mr. Brian Danielson. Um, yeah. I'm very sad about that.
2: I, I really liked it this time. I was kind of not long back into wrestling around this time, so I do remember this reign quite well. And I think it was kind of like you said, testing the waters, it's showing that they could rely on Brian as a reliable you know, mid-card champion. He started off before seeing if he would be, you know, May there because he did win the money in the bank the following year. And you know, I remember this, you know, it helped pay off the whole thing that annoyed everybody about Ms being his mentor, where Ms. Was saying like he's not good enough, he's nothing compared to me. And then Brian Pierce and by making him tap out and taking his US title from him. And then he think those matches. And then yeah, him and Ziggler the two underrated you know workhorses and the two mid-card champions you know stealing the shows as they should have been at the time. But you know like I said after like when you start 2011 up until he lost the belt, like I said he didn't do much other than that belt throwing. Which it's funny to look back on where. B Bell and Daniel both said in interviews that's where their real life relationship started. And you look back on that storyline, it's even more strong because that storyline was uh, cringeworthy, to say the really. least.
1: <laughs> Pretty much any time. Uh, <laughs> remember- it- Sorry, David. Oh, I was just going to say. Um- can you imagine if it was Nicky he kissed first when he first made out with him? Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> that's some Jerry Springer shit
0: right there. Yeah, brother. Well, <laughs> I, I actually remember just you know as we were talking about him. Um, do you remember when John Cena tagged with his bird against the Miz and his bird, and then when he yeah. won the match, he proposed, and then they broke up less than a year later. Awkward. It's just, sometimes it's like wrestling and coupling just just get away from each other. But enough about that, let's go back to talking about one of the best wrestlers of all time. Uh, Callum, what did you think of uh, Daniel Bryan in the early 10s? I thought
3: it was great. Uh, yeah, I still think he's great. That run, I remember watching the original NXT uh, with the rumours of NXT changing up now. I really hope it's now back to a game show. But anyway, with his run, I thought like, the story was perfect. How The Miz was saying that, no, hear me, I'm a bit than you. Uh, I'm from Hollywood, and uh, yeah, you suck, but to then just tap him out, just like, I think it's one of the nastier like, bell locks I've seen, just like, I'll take that, and then obviously any abuse towards Michael Cole as well, so Daniel Bryan, best wrestler in my opinion, uh, and also great Brothers US champion. I
0: think that, I don't think, I, I don't know what you guys think, did we ever really, really get a payoff to Daniel Bryan versus The Miz? Mm, not no, the comeback like, run. No, Which is sorry. infuriating. <laughs> backlash,
1: and it's a shame too, backlash. because you know, um, we discussed this on the backlash feature show last week. That the there was some very very much a lot of tension between Brian and the Miz, particularly, you know, during that pay-per-view alone.
0: Yep. Yep. Um but I always remember, you know, one of the most famous moments in the Miz's career when he went off on Daniel Bryan. On talking smack, and it was the best thing ever because everything he said was absolutely true. He was like, "I am brilliant because I wrestle in a style that means I've never been injured." Obviously, he's never been injured since, but he was right. He wrestled for WWE like twenty years or something. He's never been injured. Great, on well, well done, well done, Miss. Uh, okay, let's continue on with our list. We have had two from David, so let's get another one from you, Callum. Been dying to talk about this man. He won the belt. I Think twice, but he won it for the first time in 2016, only to lose it, of course, to Mr. John Cena. But who's your next pick?
3: My next pick is the uh, famous, uh, God's favourite Bulgarian brute champion, uh, Rusev, uh, now currently known as Miro. He actually won the belt three times. Uh, He won. Oh, I was wrong. Apologies. Last reign was in 2018, I think, shortly before he left the company. He won the championship on. Raw backstage pass against Sheamus and then beat uh, Kalisto Extreme Rules uh, 2016 to win the US belt. I loved loved, 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 loved uh, Rusev, Miro whatever you call him now, because it was perfect. It brought the US Championship back into the highlight because like this big angry Bulgarian just who's Russian. I love wrestling. Like just was, who- was whooping us, and then there was a big flag of Putin. I love when wrestling's weird. It's perfect. <laughs> and then he came out in a tank for his main entrance because he was the US champion. What he did in that tank, I'm not going to say, because I'm pretty sure we can all picture what he did in the tank. And No, he didn't drive it. So, but yes, his run <laughs> as US champion was great. Just everything about him. Like, Machka, just all. The the accolade, uh, that I love the camel clutch, you know, massive iron sheet mark. But that nasty, just perfect run. Chef kisses. Sudrain's a bit hit or miss because he beat Nakamura and makes me upset. But other than that,
2: perfect. Mm, I mean, he didn't drive the tank, but he got a hell of a ride in it.
1: That's true. I was going to say, I was say, uh, just ashamed he never fired the tank's gun, but um I suppose he fired one cannon in there. <laughs>
0: I didn't know any of this by the way. This is a uh, this make is this is this is this a shoot? Is this legit? <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs>
2: the- I remember thinking that was like a thing they just put in that mix of that Lanner Lassus doing it. But I think he came out as he was posted. no, that happened. <laughs> brilliant,
1: brilliant. I just think I just think it's disappointing that he actually won his first US title on a network exclusive, ending Seamus's 182-day reign, which was a lengthy reign in itself. Like and Rusev was still undefeated at this point. I think this was his first singles title match. He ends up winning it, but you couldn't, but it wasn't on live TV. You had to go on the network to physically see him do it. And I don't know what the point of that was. Like, surely if you're going to make people hate him, put it in front of the biggest audience possible and saves them having to physically search, right, wait a minute, did he actually win this? And then you think, oh, Bob's your teapot.
2: See, like, yeah, I think there's a quick clear reason why. I think uh, this is pretty soon into the run of the network mainly in the U.S. I don't think it even was out in the U.K. yet. So basically they're trying all these new ideas, like you can only find this content here on the network. So basically we're basically saying like, we could give this match on the three hours we've got overall that we're trying to fill, or you could, you know, give us more money and buy our network to go watch it. So, but that was a perfect time for him to win it though, because I don't agree with doing a, a modern, day, you know, anti-boo America, boot yay the foreign heels or something like that, like character. Like decades after that character has died out. But if you're going to do it, at least give him the belt that has America on it. Because then you look after that, he was then put on the authority team for Survivor Series, which shows how high they were on him. And then, yeah, the big match was seen in the tank. I almost had him as my second choice, but because his second and third reigns were so lackluster, and that's why I didn't have him. Because I loved the accolade, One of his best accolades... Uh, the move not actually accolade but uh, is when he locked it in on Callisto. the way he just a bit just a bit broke him oh I got him. bent him in half you can see his organs <laughs> and but after that like he was basically fed to Roman because he's like ah Roman you got yourself suspended but don't worry you'll be back in the tail of the scene for a bit here play with the US belt for a little bit
0: yeah yeah that that um that accolade that he did on Kalisto, I, I remember that so vividly because I hated Kalisto. I didn't understand why he was a champion. He was just a bit rubbish. And uh, yeah, I... it was the it was the perfect end to to him holding that belt. How, right, how do you have sex on a tank in, at WrestleMania?
1: Is... With great skill and determination. <laughs> anything is possible. Have you seen their Twitter feed lately? It was like... It's, um... filth. it's absolute filth. Oh, it's, it's so filthy. It's unbelievable. I'm pretty sure there's room in the, well, for lack of a better word, the cockpit. <laughs>
2: where
0: where was was the tank on the stage? I, I, was, I, I don't know. I, do you know what? I don't need to know. It's not the time for it. I don't need to know. Thank you for the choice, Callum. It was brilliant. And now I'm going to have images of sweaty Bulgarian men for the rest of the evening. Um, let's we're, continue on. We're
2: not, we're not here to kink, Shane.
0: <laughs> exactly. You do not, you're, ab- no. you're absolutely right. Each to their own. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we go now to... I've lost my numbering system. Uh, let's get another one from Scott. Have we done?
2: Yeah, yeah you haven't done yeah. the second one yet.
0: Yeah. Do the second one because it's a really good choice.
2: Yeah, this one ties yeah, into David's one as well. Because uh, after I did the scene one that was almost always when I came and was like was way quick in our group chat to you know claim that one first because mm-hmm. I have such memories of his reigns and so after that like you made Benjamin before there are a lot of people who didn't do a lot as champion so I thought I think look at people based on what they did in their reign and this guy had two reigns and when you look at when you in the reigns I think he is an argument to you know be called one of the best US champions because we've had a lot of good. Some great US champions so far. But our final choice here is awesome. As I'm going with (laughs) The Miz, who won the US Championship after multiple attempts at it from Kofi Kingston in an episode of Ron late 2009. And this is where the full transformation from Chick Magnet wearing those weird denim shorts, for Miz to Trunks wearing slow-talking you know, the of the really, the awesome came in. This is where he changed his music to the music he still has today. And this is where he finally broke out. He, he cut a promo the week after he won it, you know, acknowledging when he was kicked out of the locker room like, look at me now, I'm the champion. Yeah, everybody thought Morrison was going to get the push before him. Then at Bragging Rights, when he was US champion, Morrison was that Cornell champion. He beats Morrison showing that, you know, they not they kept even playing into the whole the Sean Janetti thing, that like, I'm not the Genet, you are and, well, Morse is the one that got fired, so, and Miz may have WrestleMania, and then he goes on to win the tag titles with uh, the big shows, to so when it was a unified tag title, so Miz is going around with three titles at this point, two, the two tag titles hanging off him with the US belt around his waist, he then loses uh, the US belt to Bret Hart, you know, that's a ring that can get in the bin for a week, and then R-Truth wins it, and then uh, a couple of weeks later, Miz wins it back, and as US Chimney Segrin wins Money in the Bank, the only person to have a title while, when they won Money in the Bank because the only other person was RVD, but he won the IC belt after he won Money in the Bank. It was only for a brief period. And then he had the thing with Daniel Bryan. So he lost the US belt, put Bryan over and helped set Bryan on his singles path while he had the Money in the Bank briefcase, which he would then cash in successfully going to WrestleMania at WrestleMania. So much like I say, we've seen about how his first couple of rings was setting him up to be the next big star. These two reigns set Miz up and showed how valuable he is and how valuable he remains to be to the company today. And then probably showed, probably explains why WWE had such faith in him to put the belt on him and put him in the main event of WrestleMania.
0: Yep, um, spot on. I, I remember watching wrestling at this time, what, 2010, mm-hmm. when he he won the belt um, from R-Truth. And I remember thinking like, I was it his first. I can't remember which one of the reigns it was, but whatever reign it was that led to the Money in the Bank and all that. Um, yeah, that was the
2: second one.
1: Second, yeah, yeah, the second he defeated Truth Morrison and Zack Ryder in a fatal four way. Because
0: obviously, uh, as Scott so eloquently described, he was just collecting metal at the time, like he was just <laughs> hanging off him. Um, and I remember thinking, like, there's no way the Miz is going to be world champion. I was like, he's nowhere near good enough. And then obviously over the course of him holding that belt for, I think it was October to May, he held it. He got so much better as like, as a wrestler, as a promo, just everything got so much better. And of course, people have said in later years that a lot of the Miz's shtick was copied from Chris Jericho's return shtick. But I don't have any problem with that. Every good wrestling gimmick in the world is ripped off of another good wrestling gimmick. And if you can do it well, and if you can do it more memorably than the other person then, then why not?
2: Um, and Jericho, Jericho as he admitted he ripped it off. He ripped yeah, it off partly from, a film from, or from the Rock. Like, no, he he ripped it partly from Nick Bockwinkel and partly from the villain from No Country for Old Men.
0: That's it. Uh, yeah, he said that in um, the Stone Cold podcast. Actually, you just mm-hmm. remember, you just remembered that. Um, and and yeah, um, he so he he's one of the few guys and. In the WWE period, those last twenty years, he's one of the few guys who's genuinely used that belt to elevate himself to world title status. And and yeah, they 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 have wasted a lot of the Miz in the main event. Like he was fodder for Lashley most recently, and he was kind of just a placeholder for Cena Rock last time around to to, to just be like a pawn for them. But nevertheless, I'm I'm happy that he's won this belt. I'm happy that he's won all of the other many thousands of wrestling belts that he's won. I think I read something recently, right? Just, you know, while we're talking about the Miz and mid-card titles, um, I really, really, really want him to get one more IC title because I think if I'm correct in saying this, that if he has like a two-week reign, just about with the Intercontinental title, not only does he get the most reigns as champion, he'll also break the most days record from Pedro Morales, I think it is. And that's He's
1: like insane. He's on Yeah, eight. he'll be tied for the most reigns with nine apiece with Chris Jericho. But if he holds it for I think I think you're right. I think it's two weeks more, he will eclipse Pedro Morales's most days as intercontinental champion.
2: There's and not no, a lo- you know, Jericho Jericho will come in and claim, well oh, I'm a ten time champ that reign in New Japan. It's not the same <laughs> belt, Jericho. <laughs> um I I, I I just think that like
0: there's not a lot of things in wrestling that I really want to happen for like the history of it, but I really want that to happen. I really want him to get another short reign. But I mean, let's face it; they're never going to give Mez the World title again. He might as well get the the IC belt. Mm. Um, yeah, like right. Well, well, uh, Callum, what did what did you think of 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 your
3: man here as champion? Fantastic. I feel like all I've said so far is fantastic, but just. <laughs> Like all the rains, I feel we've mentioned so far have been great. But uh, and you can quote me on this. I fucking hated them as growing up. Ah, I hated, yes, absolute <laughs> cock. But see, <laughs> getting older, I realised you know what? I actually quite like him. Maybe I'm a cock. Not anyway. <laughs> I thought his runs were a good. I don't want to keep saying great, but they were great. <laughs> so his runs as US champion. Flawless IC champion, flawless like I associate the IC belt with the Miz a lot. Don't get me started on that new design, I'll be here all day. So, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll cut myself off. One of my favorite reigns as US champion is the Miz
0: 100%. Yeah, yeah,
3: um, agreed, agreed with everything
0: you just said. When, when I was a massive John Cena mark at this time, and the Miz was going against them for the world title. I just didn't understand how Cena didn't beat him. And then of course he did eventually, but it just like I hated him. Like I hated him as a person at the time. And then 10 years later, you look back and you're like, oh, that's exactly what I was supposed to do. It's not X Pac. You don't want him to get off your TV. You just want to hate him. So mm. uh yeah, brilliant. Brilliant, Ms. The man you love to hate. David?
1: Yeah, it's that I'm actually gonna confess I was a Ms. Mark in 2010 of like, course you were as soon as he as soon as he changed the steam song at the beginning of 2010 to that to i came to play like i instantly became a fan you know he, he managed to get away from the you know the stupid shorts and the hat wearing the the bandanas etc and he actually started wearing proper ring gear he was carrying himself as a legitimate i mean a little little bit generic in some cases but his personality alone is what carried him. And I still remember that epic monologue promo. I think it went on for about maybe five, 10 minutes where he walked out from backstage towards the ring saying, you all doubted me. You all said, go away, Ms. you don't belong here. Uh, But then he, and he just goes on to say, I adapted to this business. I was, you know, I was berated backstage. I've won the tag titles, multiple times. And now look at me, I'm breaking out as a single star. I wear fancy suits. I don't just wear t-shirt and shorts anymore. I carry myself as a superstar. And that's what changed everything for me. It's this is a guy who walks, talks, acts like he's awesome. And when he does that, he is awesome. And I had a new, completely new level of admiration and respect for it. He almost revitalized the United States championship during that time period.
2: Yeah. Not to get not to get bogged down in music like we were on the Christian show, but talking about how good that music city is. I mean, you know, the band that did it downstate—they've done some wrestling bangers for <laughs> the years. They did that. Ziggler's here to show the world Cody's current theme, Matt Cardona's current theme songs by them. You know, they also did Alex Riley's theme, but no one's perfect. Uh, so, <laughs> but they just they just seem to get wrestling though. the guys who do it are clearly wrestling, so they clearly know what works. Why didn't we hire them? They got rid of CFOs. No, rather than whatever genetic shape they've got now.
0: I'm still mad at them for getting rid of Jim Johnson. But anyway, um, okay guys, have a think because I'm about to ask you what your least favorite reign is with this belt. It doesn't have to be uh, you know, a, a, a person, you know, as US champion. It can be one specific reign you particularly hated. It can even be one of the guys we've already mentioned. But um we'll get to that in a second, because I would like to throw out one more. I have and I haven't an, a love for this man. This this beautiful fiery-haired Irish maniac. And I don't understand why. I just think he's fantastic. I'm talking about Sheamus. Now, Sheamus's career in the WWE is kind of weird. Like he won the WWE Championship like a little bit too early and almost as if by mistake. But he then went on to defeat Daniel Bryan for the US Championship in about 2010. Or nine, Sometime 11. around. Oh, I was close. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the early period of wrestling in the tens, when I've forgotten everything that's happened. But like, I feel like him winning this belt, the US belt, finally managed to like solidify him as like a major dude. Because I feel like when he won the WWE title, a lot of people were just like, "Well, you're not a WWE champion. You just he didn't he didn't have the aura of a WWE champion at the time." But much like what they did with Daniel Bryan. This helped Sheamus like elevate himself up the card. He had a really good run against Daniel Bryan whilst champion, including, of course, their forgotten WrestleMania match, which was the match before their th- two second match at WrestleMania. I think when they were on the pre show of 27. Mm -hmm. yes thank god I'm terrible with Wrestlemania numbers it's like there's Wrestlemania 18 then there's everything that's happened since Um, (laughs) but of course uh, that match ended in the draw and they had uh, a nice little feud for the the belt for a little while of course before Sheamus ended up dropping it to Kofi Kingston in a tables match which of course is great because that's where he won his first WWE WWE Championship, but I'm not so keen on that reign as much as I am keen on Sheamus's recent reign with the US Championship. It was just earlier this year he won it from Riddle at WrestleMania before losing it to the current champion Damian Priest. And um, the reason I like this is it it just became the I'll batter you Championship for a wee while. Like she- Sheamus, you know, still not really having room for him at the top of the card in WWE. He Settled for being US champion and absolutely ran with it. Um, And I thought that him in that run was brilliant. I loved how he's managed to successfully change his look so many times. Most recently, he's kind of like the backstreet brawler, I guess you could call him in his current look. Um, He's got the mask thing as well, which adds to it as well. And uh, he's just a man that I'm just genuinely quite scared of. Uh, I think he would kill you. Uh, so, yeah, really liked his run with the belt from April until August this year. Uh, fresh in everyone's memory, Callum, did you, didn't you enjoy this one?
3: Uh, I did. Uh, I've not uh, watched uh, many current rows because, Christ, I'm only human. But <laughs> I... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I like Seamus' run. I've always been a fan of Sheamus. I mean, his short for a, a time period was the run in Razor's Edge, and that's instantly over in my book. But yes, <laughs> uh, with the United States Javid Chip, it suits him. Uh, his earlier stuff, I can't really remember, but from what I've seen of his newer stuff, I'm really digging it. I feel like he was quite a perfect US champion, to be honest, just with his whole aesthetic and his look and like, fella. So yeah, smashing. Uh, David, uh, a fun sort of similarity with The
0: Miz, because The Miz has this with the WWE Championship, Sheamus won the US title for the first time on March 14th, 2011, before winning it again more than 10 years later in April 2021. And it just shows you that he's got great longevity as a wrestler.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. But let's not forget his second reign in 2014, which lasted 182 days, and that's how Dean Ambrose Lost the championship. It was at a twenty-man battle royal as well. So it's it's some very significant time periods between him, you know, being U.S. champion. Obviously, the most recent being the the seven-year gap. But having him as U.S. champion now in this particular reign, I do get vibes of you know John Cena's open challenge reign, and also as we mentioned with Ross uh, saying AJ Styles' 2019 reign. You know, by that point, he's the established veteran who's having reasonable workhorse style matches for rising stars. You know, he's faced Umberto Carrillo a couple of times. He's faced, uh, I think, Cedric Alexander, Ali, you know, these sorts of guys who are just still on the verge of trying to, you know, get some screen time, but it's a way to sort of get them get them in there somehow. Uh, you know, he had a couple of good matches with Drew as well, but I think this was before he won the, before the championship. But this is a time where Sheamus, you know, he's established as the veteran type person. And I think he had a couple of rematches with Riddle, as well at one point but the the match with Damian Priest at SummerSlam I think was one of the better matches on the card like those two you know had some very good chemistry together they're both practically in their 40s as well like if you in case you didn't realize Uh, so it just goes to show that age isn't a factor when it uh, comes to Sheamus either you know he may be in his 40s but he can still go the same day or the same year he won the WWE Championship
0: yeah, I've said this before on the show. There's a WWE 24 that's like 50 minutes long. It's the run up to um, Sheamus versus Drew McIntyre for the WWE title when it was like a street fight or something like that quite recently before WrestleMania. Um, and it, it just completely changed my opinion on. him. When I saw the amount of work he puts into every match. But um, Scott, are you are you a fan of Sheamus?
2: Yeah, I, I feel real bad for Sheamus. For kind of the heat he gets. At least he used to get kind of unfairly. I think it was because he kinda of went the reverse route what you think most wrestlers probably should go in that he won the world title first and a mid card belt later, mm-hmm. whereas most wrestlers go the other way. Uh I liked his first win because well, like how he had that weird US version of his gear with the bl- the red, uh blue and white. I also love the way he lost his first US title in that tables match with Kofi where he was kinda of leaning over a table and Kofi died to the outside with a leg drop through the table. It was just chef's kiss as we've already said <laughs> And then that third, that last rain, seemed like it was almost a reward for Sheamus because the first half of the year it came like Sheamus just decided, you know what, I'm gonna start having brilliant matches again, and he was having just banger after banger with Keith Lee. Sh- sh- uh, I almost said Sheamus, yeah, he's fighting himself, uh, Drew, <laughs> Bobby, like he was fighting everybody, and then being red on that match. And like, I mean, I could have done without the whole, oh, I'm a champion, but I'm an open challenge, but I don't want to defend the belt. So that's fine for a couple of weeks, but they kept that going far too long. And, you know, give them someone other than Ricochet and Humberto Cujo, because that's fine once or twice. Not every week, you've got a lot of people on Raw. So, you yeah. know, a, bit a few nitpicks, but at least they helped put over Dewey and And then he had that, they had that triple threat the other week on Raw, which was amazing.
0: Yeah, uh, Scott, you've touched on it, so I had to say it publicly. Bend those contenders' matches where mm-hmm. you fight the champion for a chance to fight the champion. Uh, it fills me with so much hatred, especially when they lose. It's like, well, why well, well, you just ruined your division there? Anyway, speaking of hatred, um, we'll now go around everyone and get because uh, we, we've been we've been too nice, we've been too nice. So let's let's get some hatred out of the way before we go. Uh, we'll go around you all and get a pick of a champion who you, you just didn't like. Uh, we'll start with David. I've actually got one in mind. That I think you'll.
1: Pick. <laughs> I think I know where you're going with this, but actually, it's not that one. Okay, okay. Who's your pick for a least favorite US champion? Or run? Uh, I'm actually going to go. Uh, you see, I'm sort of torn between two, but I think because he sort of bounced back the second time around, I think I'm going to allow it. So, but the one I hated the most was Dolph Ziggler's second reign, which he won at Clash of Champions 2017. Uh, he won at a triple threat with Baron Corbin and Bobby Roode, which was almost completely out of the blue, because I think everybody was expecting Roode to win that match. Uh, but then the following SmackDown, he basically just leaves it in the ring and goes away. <clears throat> He's just like, saying, like, no, you don't deserve me as US champion. Right. I'm leaving this there. I'm Oski. See ya. And then that's when they um, had the tournament to decide the winner, and that's when Bobby Roode did win it. So... That whole reign was just utterly pointless.
0: Nothing fills me with more rage than this title reign. Yeah. but This is right. Like, right. I've got this friend of mine, right? We're in, in like, uh, Facebook Messenger groups, right? And he loves to, like, make a big daft statement and then leave the group because he thinks people will be like, oh, my God, why has he done that? And the last time he did it, nobody said a word. And two weeks later, he went, Can you add me back to the group chat, please? That's exactly what Dolph Ziggler did. He tried to make this massive statement and then leave, and nobody cared. (laughs) It was too long in the tooth at that point. I'm happy that he's managed to salvage his career somewhat most recently with Bobby Roode, but God, at this time, I was just like, Dolph, let it go. Go be a commentator or something. Um, Great first choice. Um, Callum, do you want to go next? What's your least
3: favorite US champion? Absolutely. I have, uh, I think, the best pick out of the worst, the best of the worst, rather, (laughs) and the not pride of Mexico, Alberto Del Rio. Oh, you bastard. (laughs) 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 So, Scott, now, I, when he first came in, I was that man, could do no wrong in my eyes. He was, I thought, he's got the look, he's money, cross-arm breakers all the way, WWE champion, beating Punk I didn't agree with but anyway sidetracking uh, like he, he came back to the reaction like, of a wet like just of like nothing just like <laughs> and yeah honestly like for the whole like Mexi-America thing he had the chance to like have half of the belt be the American flag and the other half of the Mexican flag he didn't do it so I uh, d- disappointed less us say about what he's currently doing the better, because how is he not in jail? I don't know. A <laughs> uh, Great choice. It was just,
0: uh, especially the fact that he ended the Cena run, and it was just mm-hmm. so annoying. Um, Scott, I know that by the sounds of it, Callum just stole your picks. so I'll throw out mine. Uh, I really thought that David would pick this the May twenty fourth, two thousand ten. They did it. Oh, pure, oh no! Well, well, I'll explain. I'll see if this is the one you were thinking of. That's um, not the one I was thinking oh, sorry, of. May seventeenth, two thousand ten. Um, the Miz has his two hundred and twenty four day reign with <laughs> the US title. It's
2: <laughs> still my second choice. <laughs> I, hate, I hate you all.
0: <laughs> oh well. I'll, oh dear. I'll, I'll finish. I'll, I'll take a while so that you know Scott's got a chance to pick a third choice. But of course. The 120th reign of the US title. It was the man's fifth reign, but he was about 200 years old at the time. I'm <laughs> talking about Bret Hart beating The Miz in the no DQ, no count out match. Um, it, yeah, you were in Toronto. It was a nice little yee for the crowd, but Bret vacates the title seven days later to become Raw General Manager and I think Nexus started at the same time. Yep. I was so, so mad at this because, like, it's not like the belt immediately goes back to The Miz. It went to R Truth for a bit uh, before The Miz won it back. But just wait is spit in The Miz's face. The man that's there every night has put up with all the shit that you've given him for five years or so at this point, and he gets beaten by. A very old Bret Hart, who is, don't get me wrong, he was a good US champion at the end of his uh, WCW run when he had the the, uh, matches with DDP and stuff like that, but he wasn't champion in 2010. Uh, In 2010, if I look at this quickly, Bret Hart would have been 67, 77, 87, 97, 40, no.
2: Very old, 54, <laughs> 50, 54. He well, would, would have been 40 and been... he was, he was 97 when he got uh, screwed. He would have been
0: 53. Thank you. You can tell which one of us works with numbers
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, uh, that Bret Hart's I get you know it was a bit of a bit of a confusing one but it was for the purposes of a feel-good moment you know beat a guy that everybody hated and there was a bit of story behind to it especially because it was a no DQ no count out match so that I can sort of forgive it you know and the fact that it went to the Truth and Miz afterwards again that wasn't too bad it's just the Ziggler one was just completely and utterly out of left field and completely pointless I agree now, hopefully, we
0: have given Scott enough time and we've stopped stealing his choices. Scott, is there anyone else apart from all the ones that we've already stolen from you that you thought you didn't really like?
2: Yeah, I've got one. But before we go into this one, you uh, should never forget that in, in WCW, in WCW, uh, Michael Buffer once announced Brett as reigning United States heavyweight champion Brett Hitman Clark at one point. <laughs> Of course. Anyway, really earning that millions of dollars per show there, Michael. <laughs> uh, but, you know, since you've made reference to someone that David went like, I might as well just take it. Jinder Mahal in 2018, because it happened in a Fatal 4 that was maybe a triple threat, but Rusev was added to it uh, because he was so popular. And yet, they didn't even pull the trigger with it. He even had J- Rusev get pinned by gender to <laughs> win the title. Jinder then, two weeks later, goes to Raw as part of the Superstar Shakeup. up those have an open challenge. Loses Jeff Hardy, who the next night gets treated to SmackDown and takes the belt back. And then they have a rematch at uh, Greatest Royal Rumble where they took the phrase whisper in the wind a bit too literally because Jeff goes for the move, misses gender by a country mile, but somehow the wind knocks gender over. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I forgot about um, the, the Greatest Royal Rumble match. Absolutely true. Um, uh... I, I, this was the mania where I called every match apart from one um. so i was happy that gender won to keep up my streak of matches but um you're right this was peak rusev day at this point and also it's, it's just classic wwe of like oh there's a guy that the fans like that we don't well i'll show you what we'll do to them <laughs> like mm-hmm. like what yeah they they do. those dumb marks <laughs> yeah exactly like, they've done so many times in the past so uh yeah another great choice all great choices, gentlemen. I'm happy with all of your fantastic picks that we did earlier. And of course, in true ESSR fashion, we've gotten some hate at the end as well. So that pretty much wraps up our best US champion shows. Uh, thank you so much to all of you for all of your three choices, both good and bad. You've got a pretty sweet month coming up on the feature shows at the start of October, um, if you like your hatred then we're going to be talking about the best heel champions i can't wait to do that one it's the only other show i'm on for like the next two months i was like i've got no time in my schedule to do any more of these shows but i'll come on and talk about the guys who i hated and um, we're going to be doing a profile on bullet club and next week we're going to be talking about the mistakes of wwe in terms of their releases uh david quickfire who's the worst wwe release in the past 12 months?
1: Ooh, that's hard to say because there's, there's just been that many. Um, <laughs> biggest mistake: Bray Wyatt. Uh, Scott. Scott?
2: Uh, why did you do this to me, uh, <laughs> Alistair Black?
3: And Callum. I was going to say Tommy, uh, Malachi, uh, Alistair Black.
2: Now you uh, know how it feels. <laughs> <laughs> Good guy coming in here <laughs> stealing my picks.
3: Well, I've got already, it's only my first show. <laughs> Dial. I love it, I love it. <laughs> uh, and
0: I'll, I'll throw out, I don't, was it even this year? I can't remember, but Braun Strowman, how was he ever yeah, allowed this to year. walk out the door? Anyway, so more on those next week. Thank you once again to Callum, to David, to Scott, and join us one week from today for our Mistakes of WWE show. Goodbye. There now follows an enthusiastic advertisement
3: for Quiz Showdown. Hello guys, welcome to Quiz Showdown. I'm Daniel Campbell and in this show you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex retweet team go through a very strange quiz. We don't know what the heck's going on with it, but you're gonna have to watch to find out. Go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown. Sports Social Podcast Network.